This is fine. I'm okay with the events that are unfolding currently. That's okay. Things are gonna be okay. Sackick fakes it, takes it, scores! Joe Sackick wins! Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into the April 1st edition of Burgundy Radio, the Avalanche podcast with plenty of foolishness, but no fooling. Coming up on the show, the Avalanche have exactly one week to fight into the playoffs, and it's against the teams they're fighting to get there. Plus some really bad news on the injury front today, but before we the whoosh, I'm here with your disembodied voices for the week. Joining us, as always, is Earl. What's up, Earl? Hello, friends. Back again after missing a week last week with some kind of flu. I believe maybe a Vegas flu is Jackie. Hey, Tiger Vixen. Hello, I'm back. And also joining us for the first time in a while is Rudo. What's going on? Hey, hey, good to be back as well. The Avalanche did the absolute bare minimum necessary to stay in the playoff race this week, beginning on Monday with a 4-1 loss in Vegas to the Aces. Eric Johnson scores your only goal in that one, as Marc-Andre Fleury was absolutely unbeatable, and it took an incomprehensible goalie interference review going the Avs' way to even get that one. Then on Wednesday, the Avs came home and just crapped the bet as hard as possible, giving up two to the Philadelphia Flyers in the first period and never catching up from there. Long Beach native Matt Nieto with the lone Avs tally. Andrew Hammond was in net for the Avs in this one, and he was honestly okay, not really the problem, I thought. More on that in a minute. Uh, The second goal he's going to want back, but at the other end, uh, cold Peter Mrazek kind of went off in the third period after Neuwirth left the game, having re-injured something. Then on Friday, with their backs against the wall, Avs win 5-0 over the Chicago Blackhawks, who live in a dumpster by the lake, I've heard. Sven Andrigetto scores a pair, Miko Rantanen gets one, and Tyson's Barry and Jost both get on the board. And that's where the party stops, because Simeon Varlamov was only able to complete 53 minutes of this shutout. Tomas Yerko came in and fell really strangely, landed pretty much square on Varley's leg, the leg whipped around, he left the ice in obvious pain. Today the team announced he's done for the year. Um, I think it was groin was the last thing I saw, but that's wouldn't be that surprising given the hit he took. Colorado also played this game with no Eric Johnson, who it was revealed today has fractured his kneecap, and he's gone for six weeks, assuming some miracle even keeps the abs in it that long. We, uh, oh boy. So, how, uh, how screwed is this team right now? Nah, see, I blame all of you on the Discord. You guys had all that negative energy flowing last night, and this is the result. <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to be positive, you know? Eight minutes in, I was like, you guys are calling this season just because the shot attempts are 22-8 at this point. And they came back and won um, pretty handily. I and- said wait through the Anaheim game before you get the, the coffin yeah. out. Well, it's definitely I mean, worth noting how bad that Chicago game started. Like, it wasn't a 5-0 game from the start. Yeah. No, I mean, the first 15 minutes were just brutal. Um, but they, you know, they didn't get scored on, and they ended up scoring five goals from there on in. Um, the emotionless Bednar did yell at them. And yeah. And they seemed to kind of get a kick in their pants after that. Well, I don't even think it was that. I honestly think it was Andrew Ghetto, like straight up. He was someone that they could put in their depth that could actually score a goal. And when 
McRantis Gog as of late. They did get a couple points eventually in that Chicago game, but they haven't been putting the team straight up on their back recently. So when you get someone like that and energize your depth a little bit, all of a sudden everyone loosens up and it becomes a lot easier. Yeah, that was a, that was a pretty cool sequence because all right, you know, Landy's drive to the net where he got tripped by the goalie, you know, that that was that was a good solid energetic play and that got them the power play. <clears throat> and then the you know, power play one unit comes on and and they were moving more than they were against Philly granted, but they, you know, they still weren't developing much. And then power play two comes on Sam passes it to Andrew Ghetto and and Andrew Ghetto takes it basically coast to coast and through three defenders and shoots it, you know, it was a kind of a lull goal, but you know, it happened and he willed it. And I think from then that really started the energy rolling because from then on, they basically dominated the game until it was out of hand. The shot itself going in was a little bit LOL, but the play was, there's nothing. Yeah. Like that was a good play. That was an amazing play. I mean, the shot, you know, that's 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 not really an NHL goal, but I mean that's not uh, really an NHL goaltender, so right. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I I think that was sort of you know a great icebreaker, and they got more confident. The you know the power play, they get, they went three for three last night. I mean, after just looking awful for several games in a row. Oh. And uh, and they had a lot of success against Chicago, especially yes. on the power play in the past. So yeah, yeah. The the Blackhawks feed showed a, a little graphic before the first power play goal. It said Colorado are five for eleven against Chicago on the power play this season, and somehow <laughs> it got worse. <laughs> yeah, They're, they are now eight for fourteen. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, yeah, I think in some ways it's kind of a nod to we have to remember just how young this team is and how important just having confidence is for them, especially in big games. When Andrew Ghetto scores that goal and all of a sudden everyone comes out in the second period super loose and then Varley makes a couple of big saves behind them and they're just freewheeling, they're a completely different team than when they're so tight that they can't even put it on net half the time. It's night and day. Yeah, yeah I mean, go ahead. Let's look back to the, the the third period of the Philadelphia game, um, where in the the second half of the period they outshot them in in attempts twenty nine to one, but they only got seven of those on net, and obviously didn't score. And that's got to be extremely frustrating because you know you know they want to get in the playoffs very badly and they want to play well and they want to score goals, and, and being frustrated by Mrazek like that, I mean twenty nine shot attempts that's just ridiculous. I mean the if you break it down to a rate, it was like one hundred and seventy nine shots per sixty in, in that final stretch, and that's just that's so deflating when you're you're doing everything you're supposed to except getting the puck into the net. And then Sven finally breaks it, and then it, it just seemed like everyone loosened up, like Rudo said, and, and good things started to happen. And I, yeah. I think the confidence thing is, is a big part of it, because you always hear complaints, like, is it effort? Is it focus? Is it want to? 
you know, you even hear like lazy and, you know, just all these things. And it's like, there's no way that they don't want it as bad as possible. God, that pisses me off. That that argument has to die. Oh, well, obviously the Flyers are more hungry than the Avalanche. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Right, like, if you can't get up for this game and want to win it, then you shouldn't be in professional sports. Like, there's no way that these guys are thinking about anything else but winning that game. And I, I agree. I think a lot of it is just the confidence, the momentum, that 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 those things are hard to play with uh, all the time and that's what the problem is and i saw the exact same thing that you guys saw like as, as soon as the goals finally started to come especially in the third period against chicago like oh we're getting all our goals out at a time when it's when at garbage time when it doesn't matter like the the team needed literally anything to break out of this hyper stress that they've had going on they needed to have some fun just playing hockey again and yeah. that's and- absolutely what they needed thank you chicago for um <laughs> for allowing a, a, a defense or a goal on the power play through some law goals ending and through some another one through some law defending duncan keith and uh the slightly avalanche roll from there that was very helpful for the following week yeah i couldn't agree more <clears throat> excuse me that third period was taking this team from basically being in a panic down the stretch to reminding them that, oh, right, we can do this. Yeah, I mean, it, Coach Bednar has a very tough job right now, especially with all the young players. But even with, you know, I mean, a lot of the players that have been around for a while haven't been in this situation much. They're um, probably more scarred. Like, like the young players are used to success. The, the older players are more scarred from the memories of, yeah. of last year or just you know several years of past failures and 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 coach has to to sort of you know when the team is is sort of swaying towards fear rather than excitement he has to be able to sort of bring everyone back away from fear and sort of into a more excitement motivated state rather than you know a fear playing for your life kind of state and you know that that's really tough and without obviously being in the room and being part of the team, I, I think what he said, I, I think he's done a good job. I've kind of liked Bedner's message and just what he's, he's said the last few weeks and months, even if you want to take it that far back. I think he does kind of toe the line there in the middle. And, and this is, I think, where it helps that he has been successful and particularly with young players. Yeah, he seems to. It's hard to classify him. Like, you know, you sort of say that that Patrick was a player's coach, and you know, and then then you have sort of a, a hard ass type coach, like you're, you know, the Mike Mike Keenan archetype. Um, and I don't think Bednar fits into either of those. I, I think he can play either role uh, as he needs to, and you know. It, he, he's able to, to use both the carrot and the stick to get these guys going. Um, but it just, you know, it all comes down to knowing what's right at the right time. It's going to play a little bit into the Bednar as a robot with no emotions meme, but uh, I, I really think that he's just absolutely rational, logical to a fault. I think he thinks everything through as much as possible, sometimes to his own detriment. Or he may overthink things at times. 
but it's it just, even looks like Mr. Spock a little bit. A little bit, but it's it's really just everything. The, the, he doesn't try to do things through um, the the emotional angle that you would see someone like Patrick Waugh take trying to lead the team through. Um, you know, his own emotional engagement with, with Bednar. It's what do we need to do? Why do we need to do it? How do we do it? And yeah. I think even McKinnon said that he likes Bednar's even keel um, disposition and it helps him because he felt like he's been emotional in the past. Yeah, we need to be- put the rest, the whole idea that Bednar like doesn't have the room and can't get these guys fired up for games. Like That's just not, that doesn't follow with what you see the abs put out there every night. And we even saw yesterday, I mean, he, he took the time out and he said what he needed to say it's not like he just stood there and and watched it happen like he does what he needs to do it's just not in the you know makes headlines kind of way that i think some people are looking for the one yeah. thing i will say just to get the other side a little bit for bednar is i want to see more in-game adaptation from him like we saw it against vegas a lot where they played really aggressive on the power play to cut off the drop pass. And when the abs didn't have that option, they kind of just, that was it. They had nothing else to go to. I think that'll be Bednar's next step, like next year. I think being able to, maybe when he has a a better handle on, you know, what, what this team is, what they can and can't do going into next year, that he should be able to make maybe more of those strategic changes. You're, you're preaching to the choir here, Rudo. Me and Earl have been going on about that since this podcast had a different name with Ryan Murphy. Yeah. Uh, in-game adjustments have been sort of the Achilles heel for the Avs. You know, I'd, I'd say going him. back to where, yeah, <laughs> going back to at least Sacco and probably all the way back to Q. Um, you know, and it's just, <clears throat> if you don't have the options if if you don't have a multitude of strategies to fall back on you know then this is this is sort of what you know this is what you get you you don't have the option of really adjusting much in, inside the game um I, and i I've, I've said this a bunch of times but i i think there's a lot more to what jared bednar wants to do with this team as far as tactics and strategies and he's he's sort of waiting for the young guys on the team uh, to, to sort of catch up with the NHL and, and, you know, sort of grow into what he wants to do. Yeah, that's sort of the other side of this, is he's got a, a fairly limited roster, and he needs to use them in the way that they can be successful. He may not have just a wealth of different strategies he can employ right now, although I would like to see them employ a forecheck. Yeah. yeah. I, I think Any forecheck. <laughs> just something. It, it's and some it, neutral zone defense would be nice. It's weird, because he definitely seems to like hedge his bets a little bit, right? Because he seems to really like a player like Gabe Bork. But Gabe Bork is what he is, you know. He's not going to do much more than chase the puck around a lot most of the time. So he kind of seems to opt at times for the more steady hands over the maybe riskier but higher ceiling kind of guy. So I agree, you know, once those younger guys get a little bit more under them and stuff like that, I think we'll see that open up options for him. 
Well, yeah. I, I, and I think that goes back to last year and, and the early part of this year, even when what was killing them were odd rushes against odd man rushes against. And I, I think when you see sort of the, when he employs a strategy that looks limited, you can sort of see like, all right, he's not going for it a little bit more here because if you did, you'd be opening up your yourself to a little bit more of the odd man rush situations. And I think that's why they don't have a more aggressive four check and, and why their neutral zone defense is sort of flaccid. Just trying to be too safe. It just, it's, it's risk aversion in that situation, you know, um, they, they, they have to limit risk when, when they have so many rookies on the roster. And I, and I know, you know, it's, they're supposed to be learning and everything like that, but it just, you, you can't, force feed some things to rookie players and they'll be able to learn it over the summer and, and into next year and stuff. It's just, you know, it's all part of the process that's going on. And doing it this way is part is part of learning too, is saying, no, you cannot do those other things. Yeah. That you could get away with in junior because you were just so much better than everyone else. Right. You, you can't always say like, Oh, I can catch that guy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Because you can't. You can't just carry the puck in the zone against four defenders on your own and, and get a goal. Sven Andergetto says, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. usually. So, we've got four games left. Can Jonathan Bernier backstop this team to glory? Yeah, he won ten sure. in a row. If he's healthy. Four. If he's healthy. <laughs> I don't even think it's that hard. Like, even with mediocre goaltending, I think this team is fully capable of beating Anaheim straight up. And if you get off to that start, then anything's possible. You heard it here first. Goaltending in the NHL is easy, Rudo 2018. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we're asking for average, at least. Though. Yeah, average goaltending. I think the schedule actually works out really well for the abs because because basically the biggest game is tomorrow and however that goes really determines how big the rest of the games are right because um, the ducks are the most vulnerable and they've uh, you know they've been beaten by the abs twice this year yeah and, and so, we're gonna we're gonna get to schedules in a minute so um, try not to go too far in, into the details on that one we're gonna get to that. And, and but they're you know that's Jonathan Bernier's old team, so I, I think I, I forget who won the first game. I think it was Varley, but he definitely won the second one. So um, he's a good guy to have going into that game. I almost want to say Bernier played the first one because it was his old team. Yeah, he might have played both. Yeah. So I'm gonna go check while y'all do whatever you're gonna do. But <laughs> I th I think it's possible. I mean. Bernier definitely has been a big part of the reason why they're in this position. So I just, I hope he's, he's good to go. He's healthy. I, I think it helped. He got in the game at least. I think yeah. it's good, good to know you've seen some shots and been in a real game and it helps you feel more ready, but well, they're going to have a back-to-back -back coming up. I assume. And and, and Hammond was was more than adequate against Philadelphia. So 
Yeah. Um, yeah I'm not... It's it's not like we're we're gonna be throwing out Ida Calio or, or Spencer Martin or something like that. You know, we've we've got two goalies that have played good games in the NHL recently. And obviously injuries are never ideal, right? But the Avs multiple times this year we've seen a key piece get injured and then the Avs have a surge where everyone knows they have to pick up the slack a little bit and it's a whole team effort to get it done. Yeah. I, I loved the response from the defense last night. Uh, I mean, you look at the usage and oh, yeah. I mean, it's like, it, you know, usually you look at, you know, on, on the shift chart, you look at the defense and it, it, it looks like a punch card. <laughs> and last night it was all two by two. I mean, it's like Barry and Z were together the whole game. Nemo and, and Sam were together the whole game. Worsofsky and Alt were together the whole game. <laughs> and it so- really, you know. I think that steadiness really helped them. So I, Bernier I, did play both games against Anaheim, although in the first one, Anaheim only managed 18 shots on goal. Kind of yeah, forgot Anaheim. about that beatdown. That was a beatdown. Anaheim was real bad at the start of the year. Yeah. They I, had like yeah. 85 injuries. I, I totally forgot about that game. The, the Avalanche outshot them 39-18. to 18. What a team. But I I completely agree about the defense, and it's... It's not to say that, like, Borsovsky or whoever is going to be in the lineup instead of EJ is, like, a positive thing. But it just works so much better when they have sensible pairs that make sense. And, and I think Worsofsky and Alt were good for a third pair. And yeah. I, I think Gerard plays better when he plays more like 18 to 20 minutes. He did really well last night. I think he does better when he knows who the hell his partner is. Um, yeah, Sam was fantastic last night. I mean, he was 56% Corsi. Um, yeah, it was like second, I think, second on the team. And it, and I looked, he had first defenseman. 27 yeah. ozones, percent ozone starts, too. So you can't even say it was because he was only in the offensive zone. I mean, he, he definitely stepped his game up and... And I think that's how the defense worked when Barry was out, when EJ was out. It wasn't anything like, great, these guys are out of the lineup and it's better. It's just a matter of the defense works better when they're not trying to force feed EJ or Barry all the time. So well, I don't even think it's a terrible thing that EJ's out. I mean, of course, they're, they're a better team with EJ, but as far as the defense as a whole... I don't think it's a huge step back to not have him. Plus, he'd only been back for six games. They went three and three with him. Not to say the losses were his fault or anything, but it's not like he was lifting, you know, all all. Boats. And they had gone eight, one, and two without him just before that. Are they that much better with EJ? At least this iteration? Like, yes, I think 100% EJ they are, but... There was no way that EJ was at 100% health at all, especially the first few games back. You could see that he was just not his usual self. Yeah. I mean, 80% EJ is probably better than Warsawski, just like in a vacuum, but... Are you sure? But you get into that weird situation, right, where it's EJ, so you want to play him like 26 minutes a night when you shouldn't be. Right, Right, because his name's Eric Johnson. I'd argue they shouldn't be playing any of them at any point that much it's just it's unnecessary and i actually think it hurts the team i definitely agree with that yep like, like their first well, pairing mean, so- are are not they're they're not bad but they're not workhorse pairings 
They it just doesn't have make to be. sense. I mean, you get more out of Gerard if you give him a real role. It's like, what are you even getting by playing EJ or Barry so much that you can't play Gerard? You know what I mean? Like, it's like you're hurting yourself by doing that. Yeah. Yeah, we've been talking about this since the middle of the season when he yeah. was playing 30 minutes a night. I mean, at a certain point, well, you have to give over some power. I, I mean, I agree with that, but there's some nights that Sam's just not that good. And it's nothing, you know, it's just being 19 years old. <clears throat> and that just sort of, you know, limits what, what they can do with him that night. Well, sure. Um, I mean, on a night. And you just, you, you have to be able to react to that. Of course. And then... You, or you could play Zadorov a couple more minutes. Like the answer isn't just play EJ twenty eight minutes. And 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 I would say I think Sam in general plays better the more he plays. Like Except it's this that... team, and the answer is going to be play Nemeth twenty five minutes. <laughs> oh please no. <laughs> Plus minus leader, everybody. I know this is a little inside baseball, but. Um... I broke down all, all six defensemen by their Corsi events per 60 in last night's game. It was really interesting that uh, Barry and Zadorov were both in around 160, um, and they were around 45% Corsi. Um, Gerard and Nemeth were just over 100, and they were well over 50% each. And then the bottom pair was uh, they're pretty low event, and... Neither were that great. Warsawski benefited actually from a couple shifts he had with Sam in the middle there somewhere. Um, but it, I think that was interesting because it looked like Gerard and Nemeth were in sort of a sweet spot where they uh, they weren't super high event, but they were controlling play really well. And it looked like Barry and Z were were super high event, like incredibly high event, and they weren't. I mean, yeah, I don't think Gerard ever is high event. I mean, maybe there's a game here or there, but he's. I mean, not He's like always Barrett, no. low event. Yeah, Barry's yeah, high event doing, every game. Yeah, and if, and Z is always higher event than you think. Like he was you right. Know, He's not He's afraid more to high carry than, it in. Yeah. yeah. There was a, there was a moment last night where Tyson Barry made a pass from the goal line to the other blue line to Zadorov. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> and I was like, that was a great pass to what? <laughs> Your defensive partner, hundred eighty feet away. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's interesting. Like if we're doing deep statistical dives, there's a lot of data that I've been looking at at the entries and exits that Gerard is already on par, if not better, of a puck mover than Tyson Berry. And granted, that doesn't account for quality of competition. Gerard definitely is sheltered a good bit more, but still, it's really exciting numbers to see. Yeah, yeah. there's there's something out there on Twitter uh, with uh, I, and I forget who who's doing all the entry and exit. Um, and they don't do every game, but they had Gerard like third in the league. It was like Carlson, I think it was Pete Petrangelo was second, and then it was Gerard was third in the. In the wasn't the fake stats league. guy, was it? Yeah, I think that was the fake stats guy. No, no, it wasn't. I'm it was I, the real people? I, I'm pretty sure I saw that same thing, and I think it was the fake stats guy. You know, it's the guy that's tracking the... It's the Hurricanes fan, or whatever his name is. Corey. Oh, are you sure? Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe the fake stats guy just stole that, then. Because I definitely saw it from the fake stats guy. <laughs> yeah. Or, or his, his fake stats back up the real ones. 
and he obviously isn't doing every game, but I've looked at some of the games that he he lists which Avs games he's tracked, and a lot of them haven't been the good ones. So, yeah, that's and I agree. It is it's very exciting that Gerard is so good in that area, and then you know if a few other parts of his game come together, I I, I still think he has such a huge ceiling. As long I, as we're I, not talking about his stick checks per sixty. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm curious i'd love to know but there's nowhere to look that up no so we'll just, just have to wait till they come out there's a black box to trust and that's it <laughs> yeah um i i you, again i've said this a lot of, but three years from now you just can't even imagine what gerard's gonna be like it was pretty exciting. So, sounds like the consensus around the room is that the injuries are rough, but definitely not debilitating. I agree. Yeah. I, I, I think it'd be worse to lose. Maybe some, some others, especially, and especially since we've lived without Barley and EJ before, I think it's not uncharted waters here. It's just spooky we- to me, specifically because of how injured Bernier also has been lately. We've, we've yeah, lived that's... without Mac too, and that's that's something that I I wanted to bring up for like a later podcast after the season. Is it seems like the Abs are so much more resilient this year. I mean, last year they basically tanked as soon as EJ and Varley got hurt, but this year the same things are happening, but it's it's not really affecting them all that much. Do you think and, it's depth or do you think it's just confidence that... I, I don't know. That's that's why I'm saying it's something we really should look at sort of for an off-season podcast and, and really take it down and, and see why and, and what's happening when, when those things happen this year as opposed to last. Sure, we'll, mean, we'll look at that for a post-season wrap pod. Yeah, it's, it's for the short term of the rest of the season, I don't think it's that concerning, but if we're taking a longer scope out, looking at the repetition of Johnson and Barley continuing to not be able to stay healthy, even if it is unfortunate circumstance, that's becoming an issue. Yeah, and both these are traumas. So, I mean, Varley, obviously, all right, it's a groin. It's, it's you know, the same area he's had difficulties with. But it, it, this wasn't just sort of in the, in the course of play, he destroyed his groin again. I mean, this was something that happened to him. That wasn't really goalie related. I mean, I, so this is more bad luck, but it is concerning for sure. So um, let's go ahead and look at the week that they have left of the season to uh, try to make something happen without those two really important pieces. Um, this is where the playoff race stands right now. Minnesota's third in the Central, and San Jose is second in the Pacific, and they're basically out of reach, and Dallas is a really distant tenth. So one of LA or Anaheim are getting in at third in the Pacific. LA have 94 points with three games remaining, and Anaheim have 93 with four games remaining after the worst possible outcome in their game last night. Whichever of them ends Unreal. up in the wild Yeah, whichever of them ends up in the wildcard hunt are fighting for one of two spots. With St. Louis, who have 92 points with five games remaining, and Colorado, who have 92 points with four games remaining. So we're going to dive into everyone's schedules in a minute, but before we do, let's make gut predictions. Do the Avalanche make the playoffs? Yes. Yes. No. I am with Team No here. 
Okay. I can't live my life like that. <laughs> it it's gonna be so close though. I I don't think they're gonna like tank the last four games or anything like that. Like I it might come down to a freaking tiebreaker or something. Like it's going to be that close. It could, and that's why the last game against St. Louis is so frustrating, because they're tied in points and they're tied in a row. So yeah. St. Louis are gonna pretty much have the head to head. We've been uh, banking this no goal that should have been a goal all season uh-huh. for this last game. <laughs> Everyone's going to be so mad. <laughs> and with that, like, I understand it's like one game, one point, one goal, whatever, like over a whole season. You can't just focus on that. Like they lost to Buffalo. They lost to Arizona, but every team loses. You could look up all of these teams and they lost stupid games. that They shouldn't have, but when the league actually has to issue an apology that a goal didn't count that should have counted, which would have probably given at least the Avs a point. I don't know if they would have won the game, but a point. And if one point is all that was needed for them to make the playoffs, that is going to be pretty tough to swallow. That, that, that goal shouldn't have counted is the thing though. They blew the call, correcting the call they missed in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, I guess that's one way to feel better about it. That's the They NHL. won't need it. It's fine. They won't need it. Good old we'll NHL. So, of the principals, call, uh, Los Angeles have the fewest games remaining. They are against Colorado, Minnesota, and Dallas, all at home, all rested. Yeah, I, I've pretty much written off LA as getting in at this point. But the funny thing is, regardless of what happens with the Avs and Anaheim game, the Avs will play L.A. next, and if they beat L.A., they will be tied with them. Yeah, L.A. is actually the most vulnerable if the Avs win out. Um, if the Avs beat the Ducks, uh, Kings, and Blues, the, the best L.A. can get is 98. Uh, the Ducks can get 99, and the Blues can get 100. Do so, any of us actually see us beating LA on the second half of a back-to-back, though? No, I I don't know. I mean, no. Nope. I can I'm, see something crazy <laughs> like they lose to the Ducks, and we all think, all right, like close it up. That was it. And then they'll go out and beat LA, and then we'll be tied. You know, like I just don't think it's going to be over until the very end. Because then you say, okay, now now the Ducks are ahead. Then oh, all of a sudden now we're tied with LA again, and. Jonathan Quick will get stuck in traffic. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be about what we need. Drew Doughty will have diarrhea. (laughs) The Luongo special, I like it. (laughs) And Jeff Carter will find himself mysteriously, literally stapled to the bench. It's, I I mean, uh, what what you have to hope for is that the confidence from last night is something that sort of rekindles the fire of, of of the avalanche confidence rather than sort of playing scared and conservative. <clears throat> and I, I think if they play the way that they had been before uh, the first Kings game that they lost Brazil. Um, In a way, know, I, I think, I think they can win out that they got beat so bad by LA because uh, I think it'll tend more towards an opposite, not that we'll beat up on LA, but just that I think, Maybe we'll get some more bounces. You know, I, I think it's going to be a close game, but I think I think it's definitely a game that the Avs could win. 
Yeah, so, maybe Mac Mac's the one that scores four goals and wins the heart this time. We'll call that one the OT loss because looking at all the projections <laughs> right now, ninety-seven points is like the line that you're very, very likely to get. In ninety-six, you have like roughly a fifty percent chance in or out for the Avs. At ninety-seven, it's like a ninety percent chance they're in the playoffs. So I'll give them the OT loss against the Kings on the second half of the back to back. It would be their ninth OT loss of the season. Still way behind the Ducks. Way behind the Ducks. <laughs> there is one team with more OT losses in the Ducks in the playoffs. That is the Philadelphia Flyers, who are 39, 25, and 14. <laughs> I mean, let, can we just move the abs to the East Coast and we're in the playoffs for free, please? I mean, the the, the wild card two spot is currently occupied by the New Jersey Devils, who have 89 points. Colorado with 92 are out of the picture. Ouch. The playoff system is dumb and, and broken. Um, so since for the most, I mean, assuming that Colorado don't beat LA in LA, we look at Anaheim as being the most vulnerable team left their schedule. And you're going to start start seeing some trends and who our friends are right now. And you're going to be frustrated by who our friends are. Friends in low places. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So Anaheim's remaining schedule is Colorado, Minnesota, and Dallas at home. The exact same as LA's. And then they end the year back to back in Arizona. That's five games. Oh, yeah, there's five games left. I can count. Yeah, we need to root for Minnesota, unfortunately. That's the only one that we can really expect. Need help from Minnesota, who have literally nothing to play for right now? I mean, the good news is that could be their clinch game. Okay. It'll definitely be a clinch game, that's for sure. (laughs) they're prepping for the playoffs I mean it it doesn't really mean much like they're going to make the playoffs either way but maybe they get up to secure the playoff spot or the central third spot or something that's like what we can hope for like they're gonna make it and they have no chance of getting home ice so yeah and and the Sharks are sort of that for us yeah we'll get to that Dallas are in absolute free fall, and we need help from them twice, and it's not happening. Dallas is done. Just stick a fork in them. Dallas have had one regulation win in their last ten games, and that's been true for like a week. Yep. If Minnesota loses out, though, I don't think they're completely 100%. You'd think four points is enough, but if they're losing those games... Unless LA they, like, lose out all the way. I mean, yeah. there's no way. Yeah, what Minnesota are they, still have points. They're 96 points, and they still have five yeah. games. Yeah. The other thing is we need to root for Arizona to be competent because they play St. Louis and Anaheim. They've been competent. I mean, they've got they, – they've had a really solid turnaround the second half of the season, honestly. Um, they were on pace to kind of approach the historically bad avalanche season from last year, and now they're up to 65 points. So Not even last in the league anymore. Oh, man. Like they, they've been almost respectable. They've been 5-5-0 five, five and oh in their last 10. They um, have they, they just played the, the Kings and lost 4-2, to two, but like they haven't been terrible. They've been winning some games. Yeah. Well, they, they have a couple more to win then. And they're a really good trap game 
They are a good trap game. If, I will say that. But St. Louis tonight, that would be right. If you're in a team, but when you're St. Louis or Anaheim fighting for your playoff life, you don't fall into the trap, right? You Maybe can't expect that. But those are know, those are back to backs with travel. St. Louis' game tonight is yeah. a back to back with travel in if Arizona. It, if anyone would do it, it would be St. Louis. <laughs> And, and then they and have let's Washington not at home. Chris Butler just got called up today. Who's that? Our he's, favorite he's Rampage a... player. Yeah, he's the <laughs> captain of the Rampage. Okay. <laughs> so I, Saint, I not very good. I don't even see why. Like who? Schmaltz got injured. Yeah. Oh well, they don't care about him. That that's not going to change anything. Yeah. Well, let's let's move to St. Louis' schedule. Who they are eight one and one in their last ten games. Um, that's they, too much. They're bound he's to cool off. Yeah. <laughs> I've been thinking that for a week. But now, they, they've uh, kind of ba- now they've kind of balanced out their. Yeah, this is the Mike Yo thing. He goes on crazy hot runs and crazy cold runs. Yeah. Like that's just what he does. It's just so frustrating because yeah. they lost in overtime to Vegas last night and improved their record in the last ten games by doing so from eight two and zero to eight one and one. Like that's, this is a hot team. Um, they're they're back to back tonight in Arizona. Then they'll play Washington at home, Chicago at home in Chicago, and then they'll travel the next day to end the season in Colorado. I think team or people are really underselling how hard that schedule is. Like I Washington's agree. been not great, but they're still the best, one of the best teams in the East, the best team in the Metro. And Chicago, yeah, they're having a down year, but it's not like they're a total dumpster fire. They're they're pretty bad, it's but it's, nice game, right? it's, it's Chicago and St. Louis, though. Yeah, when, exactly. Yeah, when they're Varley starts like, for any any game it's gonna and especially back to back it's real tough to beat a team back to back so if chicago could even get one of those be a huge help i really think st louis will end up with three points out of those two games but it's not a guaranteed four like people are acting like it's still a lot though it is still a lot but it's not four yeah yeah the only thing with them is that they have the game in hand right now but after tonight and when people are listening to this, they'll probably know the outcome of that one. So be back. Well, that's, the way it's been, that's the way it's been and, and will be down the stretch. Like the Avs play their game, then, then St. Louis plays the same. So it, it goes alternating days like that. Right. And that'll be true <clears throat> until St. Louis play two games in a row to end the season. Right. And for a not-so-fun fact, if we're actively <laughs> rooting for Arizona, that means Ottawa's going to finish in the second-worst spot in the league, <laughs> which means we don't anyway. get that pick. Well, yeah. if if we make the playoffs, then I guess that's something we have to sacrifice. I think we have to assume at this point we're not getting that pick, and I, Ottawa I are crazy to give it up. Yeah, I would say that's fair. It would be t- like you know if if what we're hearing is is right that that maybe once you get in the higher you know higher of the the top ten then it then it comes into play again it'd be really hard for them to fall even with bad ping pong ball luck it it'd be hard for them to get worse than a, a sixth pick right now yeah, yeah pretty unless much. they like win out yeah and Montreal or somebody loses out it'd be tough Montreal could lose out they're pretty bad. <laughs> it's they true. Are. Thanks for Sven Andrew Ghetto, by the way. We owe you for that. 
Yeah, there was a debate about that going on last night again, where someone brings up, oh, they could have had him for free on waivers, and they traded for him, and I'm like, yeah, and they got rid of Andreas Martinson in the process instead, so... <laughs> That's that was me, and I, I still think like I, I still think having Marty in the organization is not a terrible thing. It's not, but know. it also think... took him sixty-five games to break Chicago's roster this year. So, and Chicago, no, are he, bad. he would be. I'd rather see him in in uh, San Antonio this year than you know. Well, Another there's a lot of people we'd rather spot. see in San Antonio. Right. I mean, <laughs> that, has, that has no future. Right. I'm just saying that the having Martinson in your organization is not terrible. Having him on your NHL roster is a problem. But. So the other team in this race is, of course, the one and only Colorado Avalanche. And their remaining schedule starts on Sunday. Colorado Open, what is basically a week of elimination games in Anaheim against the Ducks. It's a 7 o'clock mountain start. Then Monday, they're in Los Angeles for a back-to-back god-awful late start, 8.30 Mountain against the Kings. And then on Thursday, they travel up to San Jose and do the god-awful 8.30 Mountain start thing again against the Sharks. Um, then finally on Saturday, they end the season at home against the St. Louis Blues, who, as we've mentioned, will be on their own back-to-back. All these games are on altitude. This is a really tough week to handicap and also a really important week to handicap. Yeah, I think actually, assuming everything goes well enough in the Los Angeles area, um, it's interesting that that McNabb was saying last night that they're not going to come back, and not that they should, but you know they do have two days off uh, between the Kings game and the Sharks game. But they will they will go immediately up to San Jose and sort of set up shop there for a couple of days to to prepare for that, and that will that will probably be their last final last prep for um, both the Sharks game and the Blues game. <clears throat> they, have, so, they have two days off. This is, they actually have two days off again for the first time in a while. So if you've got any evening plans, this is the week to, to fit them in Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah. Um, so the, I, I think that's kind of key, and that, that's sort of nice that they're going to be away from Denver. They're not going to have, you know, I, I know Dater's going to be there and, and There'll probably be a couple other, um, you know, a- avalanche people following them around. But it's it's not going to be like being in Denver where, you know, you're sort of going to be assaulted by media constantly after every practice and everything. So they, they're, they're kind of sequestered there, and that could help out a lot. It's, you know, the more I look at it, I'm actually getting more and more confident. Because originally I had it as, all right, Anaheim and St. Louis are must-wins. I gave the OT loss against LA, but the Sharks are a totally beatable team as well. Yeah. The Sharks are a good team playing good hockey, but they're not going to have anything left to play for at that point. Right, exactly. They'll probably be arresting players. Um, they haven't clinched yet, but they're very close. Um, and They'll they have clinched by default by then, I think. And, and they have pretty much no chance of falling out of home ice, so... Yeah. They they'll have literally nothing left to play for. They'll be resting bodies. That's a very winnable game. Yeah. I think all the games are winnable. It's just a matter of they basically need to win 3 of them. Well, it's it is worth noting that if they win out, they are in no matter what, right? They they abs don't need any help to get into the playoffs in theory. Yeah, if they win out, um 
let's see. If they win out, Los Angeles will be the team that's out, I think. It depends on if Anaheim sucks or not, but one of LA and Anaheim. Yeah. Well, Anaheim does open. suck. <laughs> but how much? Um, because yeah, if 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 Colorado went out, then LA are in the most it, trouble. Assuming that none of those games are overtime wins, which they could be. Yeah, because um, Anaheim only. Or, sorry, uh, Los Angeles only has three games left, and if right. they lose to the. That that's only four points. They yeah, they, they have a ninety-eight point max. Then yeah. they'll have a ninety-eight yeah. or max 99. or, or 99. ninety-nine. Yeah, and uh, if if that's all, re- if we're talking all regulation wins, then they would have ninety-eight max, and Anaheim would have ninety-nine max. And and St. Louis would have a hundred. Right. Assuming every other team wins all their games because they don't play each other anymore. The the game last night between L.A. and Anaheim was the last time they play each other. Yeah. I'm still so mad about that game. <laughs> I'm more I, I, mad about I, Vegas letting St. Louis into OT, honestly. Yeah. On a goal by Chris Thorburn. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how you guys do it. I mean, I've done well for myself that I can actually still watch the abs. Because usually, by this point, with it being this critical there'd be a lot of times I wouldn't be able to watch. So I'm proud of myself <laughs> that I can actually still watch live. I don't, I don't get that at all. Like I love those butterflies. That's why oh. I watch hockey. Yeah. No, so I don't really pay that much attention to these other teams games when they're on. I'll throw them up on my second screen while I'm playing a game. And I'll just kind of like listen yeah, more than anything else. Win. That's the thing. <laughs> I was in Vegas when, Anaheim or beat the Oilers. I actually went to the sports book to watch that overtime, <laughs> and it just pissed me off so much. <laughs> like it's just, it's not a good thing. All they all these teams ever do is win. The Oilers <laughs> had a two goal lead in the third. <laughs> two goal lead in the third. Still lost. Son of a bitch. That was pretty bad. Colorado can get no help. Even when the teams that should not be helping them are in a position to do it, they blow it. Arizona, Minnesota, and Dallas can be our help. We'll get help. It's coming. They're just saving it. We'll get some from Minnesota. Every single game, right? I I really think that Minnesota will win at least one of those California games. Like Minnesota are, are, are playing pretty well right now. Anaheim did lose to Vancouver the other day so anaheim lost to vancouver that's definitely a true statement that that happened and i saw it and it was funny can we like everyone who i've talked to that's watched a couple of anaheim's games is just like wow this team does not look very good yeah <laughs> and they just keep <laughs> winning somehow like <laughs> they, these, they keep getting these ties three teams that we're all talking about i mean these are teams that have a lot of playoff experience so for the abs to even be in the conversation like we're not talking about knocking out calgary or other crappy teams like (laughs) this this is like prime time this is big boy hockey the one valid concern with the abs schedule is three of these games are on the road and the abs and the road are not the best of friends see if these were three home games against california i'd be feeling confident I don't know. I don't, I'm almost more confident with them being on the road. California is like, they all live here now, so we can live there for a little bit, right? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I know it's the whole like focus and get together and we can do this and this is Why your last us? road trip and gotta leave it all out there. It is kind of unbelievable to think like this could be the last week. It it doesn't feel that way. It's there will be lots of time for uh for retrospection and for going, wow, let's look, let's not be so mad about these outcomes because here's what we expected coming into the season and here's what last season was. But right now, I think most of us are still living and dying with every shot. So, yeah. August was far too recent to have another I, August. I <laughs> yes. mean, I just can't believe it's almost over. It just. Oh, yeah, this spring has just flown by in terms of the hockey schedule, and I blame the schedule. Yeah, our schedule yeah. was ridiculous this year. Like, a two months where we have two days off in a row twice, I think it was. That's yep. just insane. Yep. And, like, it's this whole month has been day on, day off, day on, day off, day on, day off. And they only get the two-day breaks because there was a back-to-back -back on one of them, on one side of them, both times. So it still averages out to a game every other day. This is crazy. You really wonder fun. why we have it. so many injuries. Right? I mean... Oh, but but hey, we we've, we've had our four day breaks built in in November, so I don't see what everyone's so complaining about. We got the same schedule as everyone else, right? Which, sure, I think we January did. Almost made it worse with all the the bye week, the All Star break. Just they didn't play in January. They were like, and then yeah, the the November where they would only play on the weekend. <laughs> But it's it's not just Colorado that's had some weird schedules. I mean, it, it's, down goes Brown on Twitter the other day had noticed the same team showing up on certain team schedule over and over at the end of the year, as if the schedule maker had like missed a column as they were going <laughs> through making the schedule, and then every team it was like, oh crap, I forgot to schedule them against Vancouver uh, three times in two weeks. You know? Yeah, it was very bizarre. I mean, I noticed that like Minnesota just had a four-day break like what? this time of year just have a four-day break so they'd play like 11 games in 15 days or something like oh. they need to look at some of that because i know it's not the easiest thing to schedule 31 teams but yeah some of it has just been heaven forbid they make the season a week longer <laughs> <laughs> the season doesn't need to be longer i and meant like same amount of games NFL. but it is. That's exactly what it is. Is once the NFL's over, they get as many games in as they can. It's also eighty-two games is kind of a lot. Yeah, we could definitely go for less games in a season too. I wouldn't even mind that. I I would like to see them sit at seventy-five. We don't have to do one hundred and sixty-two. Yeah, God. <laughs> and they put in about as much effort as baseball players do in any given game. You think that there's hockey injuries now? I mean, come on. Yeah, no one would be alive by the end of that. But I mean, also if you if you cut some some games out, then maybe you can get your Stanley Cup final out of June. Yeah, they would rather have it in July if they could. They and they when it gets down to that point when you're not playing a game until every third day they drag that out on purpose too those playoff series take way too long oh yeah 
They really do. Mm, I mean, some of them get a little long, but like every I don't third mind day, though, giving the rest. Like you want playoff games to be everyone going full bore. That's true, but every year you have one series who's on game five the same night that another series is on game four, and that's bananas. Yeah, that's dumb. They should be consistent across the. At least round. it's not like the NBA where you can be having someone play round two when another team is still playing round one. <laughs> to me, that is like, uh, what are we doing here? The NBA does a lot of things really right. That's not one of them. <laughs> the Warriors sitting in the finals for like three weeks just waiting for an opponent. <laughs> Definitely a lot to learn from the NBA. Not that. They can keep that. So, um, when we were talking pre-show, y'all were telling me about some prospect updates you wanted to, to drop on us, so why don't we go ahead and get into that? Yeah, Travis Barron and Josh Anderson both finally officially signed their contracts that everyone was expecting them to. Um, if you haven't seen it, I did a highlight reel of Travis Barron on the Burgundy Rainbow YouTube channel. You should check that out to get a feel for what he's like. Um, he is officially done with his playoffs in the OHL, so he can join the Rampage, and there's a chance that he will get into games. I'm not going to promise anything, <laughs> but... <laughs> That pretty much sums it up pretty well. So, <laughs> yeah, the rampages just are not for pro playing prospects. That's like, yeah. Know. Um, I, I'm real happy about both. Uh, I was really skeptical about Josh Anderson after training camp and whatnot, but you know, just from the little I've been able to watch him this year, um, he's done what he needed to do to earn a contract, and it's it's nice to see that. Um, yeah. Baron, I'm really looking forward to. I, you know, a, a lot of people look at him as sort of just a grinder, seventh round pick. It's nice to just to get a guy that you want to sign, but um, he just seems to have something that 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 sort of. I don't want to liken him to Gabriel Bork, but it's just sort of that mentality that that you know he's going to probably stick to it until he gets into the NHL. Yeah, I'm, I'm super happy about it, too. It, it's nice they finally got it over with, I think. You know, I've always complained how long it takes them to do it, and I know the argument is what difference does it make, what does it matter, but, you know, every guy that signs, they mention how much it had been weighing on their mind, and I saw something from Baron that said the same thing, and, you know, I just don't think that's fair to do to guys during their playoff run when they have enough on their mind. But um, I am glad that, that it's out of the way, at least as far as now we don't have to wonder, do they need to sign in order to do the ATO and this and that. So, so at least, uh, you know, that takes kind of that level of drama out of it. And um, hopefully Baron will show up in San Antonio and we'll follow his progress, even if it's in, just in practice. Um, yep. Adam Werner's there too. If anyone hasn't heard, he signed an ATO after his season finished in Sweden. And um, we're not sure if he's ever going to get in a game, but 
you know, it's exciting that he's at least in the organization right now. And if he does play, uh, we will definitely have uh, things to say about that. And yeah, for I'd, Anders- I'd like to Sorry, yeah, I'd ahead. like to see Werner play, but you know, it, it doesn't seem like guys that are on ATOs uh, that haven't signed NHL contracts uh, end up playing. Unless they're but, Blues players. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just historically with the Avs over the past few years, I think Troy Burke was the last guy that, that was a draftee of theirs that, that signed an ATO without an NHL contract and actually, actually played. Um, I think but, Boykov got a game, maybe, but but no, I I agree with you. I just think with Werner, you know, like let's say like Nick Henry shows up, like I totally understand they're probably not going to play him, or they're not going to play Werner over Huso when they're trying to make the playoffs. But I think if you have Werner there, you want to see what he looks like. Like I think they need to see him play in a game in North America. Like, I just think that'd be such a missed opportunity. Like that's what he's there for, not just to practice. But if you care at all about development and planning for the future, you need to see what this guy looks like in a game. Yeah. And, and he, you know, with where he was in the, in the Swedish league and in the all Svenskan last year, he wasn't able to attend training camp. So they, they really haven't seen him in a couple of years. So it, it really behooves the Avs to, to get him into a game, it, even if it's only like for a third period or something like that. Yeah, I so mean, hopefully... I'm sure they have scouts who've seen him in Sweden, but they haven't seen him on the NHL ice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just in their organization in a in a game. I, so hopefully, when they get down to the last weekend or whatever, that they can and they have a three and three in their last weekend, so they probably really should get him he'll, in he'll be the starter games. by then when the blues call up huso and we need mark <laughs> back it'll be fun <laughs> yeah when huso beats us on sunday or saturday whatever day that game is warner will be starting yeah. for the rampage and the ice 15 skaters in a game where it's win and you're in the playoffs yeah and and that that makes that makes four guys that have signed for next year plus warner on his ato and we don't know where that's gonna end up but um there's another guy that could sign that we, we haven't really heard much from over the past couple of weeks. <laughs> and that's Kale McCarr. And I, I think that could happen. You know, I, I'm still confident that there's a chance it could happen, uh, that, that he might just sort of be caging his bets with returning to University of Massachusetts next fall. Um, I mean, there's still a number of NCAA guys that could still sign this offseason. Even for us, yeah. Yeah, even yeah. like <laughs> Bowers and Smirnov and Morrison, all are possible signees. Yeah. Right, like these guys could sign during the summer at any point. Um, but it's just kind of, you see all these players signing in the league like the, like this was the week of the signing especially the college guys because to get guys into nhl games and i still think if you're serious about signing McCarr, you basically got to offer him nhl games right now but that's clearly not on the table so then i guess i mean I, I understand that there's just there's no way you could play kale mccarr in a game like that. I, I wouldn't want that for kale mccarr I mean, to put him in a situation where, like, you know, your season's over if you lose the game. I mean, what if he was the guy that lost the game four to three on a bad defensive play and, and the season was over? I mean, 
that's just not a situation you want to put. I mean, Warsawski or Alt could do that. I just yeah, because you could jettison those guys. Yeah, those are <laughs> like the future of your defensive core. <laughs> I wouldn't want about... that for Kale McCarr or for the Avalanche right now. You're yeah. totally right. The thing with McCarr in that role is like he did that ride with Hockey Canada where he was the seventh defenseman and played six minutes a game. Like he doesn't need that again. Yeah, I mean, it just it it, it feels so much like that that it just I. You know, I understand the, you know, it would be nice to be able to burn a year of his contract or whatever. Um, but it just for the expansion draft, it doesn't make any sense. And for the abs playoff position, it makes no sense. So, well, Bob McKenzie said that Middlestat's exempt. So, yeah, and, he's in and the exact same boat as McCarr. So whatever loophole they made up for that, then if Middlestat's fine, then McCarr would be fine. Well, the yeah, thing with Makar is everyone's on edge about him going back to UMass. Like, we don't need him to necessarily go to the NHL or even the AHL, but we just don't want him back at UMass. <laughs> but see, the yeah. thing is, I don't think he's leaving unless it's the NHL. Like, there's obviously things that he likes about it. Like, he's not going to leave just to go somewhere else. Like, that's his team. Those are the people he played with. Like, those things matter. If you're going to leave that, it's for something greater. That's fair, but yeah, it's pretty easy to get better than UMass. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's an understatement, yeah. Um, but <clears throat> so we'll we'll see about what happens with with if any of these fellows get into any games. Obviously, Timmons will never lose and. Um, yeah, now Timmins is gonna win the OHL and then the Memorial Cup. Like yeah. that's not even bold. <laughs> yeah, and Henry looks like you know he he's got a better shot than we thought of moving on, and that would probably if 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 they go into the second round, that that would probably put them past the end of the Rampages season. Yeah, they pretty much need to be out this weekend for it to for. There to be and kind of Big rampage. Josh will beat him right right now today. It, it'll <laughs> happen. Book it. <laughs> so one of the two will be available, Anderson or Henry. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Henry wouldn't be available because even if they lose, they're not allowed to leave because of the Memorial Cup. I forgot about that. So scratch that. So even if they lose, they have to all stay together and practice for two months. All right. Any other prospects to update? I just made a Ty Lewis shift by shift too. He's real good at junior hockey. Go watch it. Yeah, <laughs> Lewis is fun. Uh, Rocco's back after missing six weeks with a injury. Woo! Big news. <laughs> That's well, why so nice JC Bodan sits. Yeah. <laughs> so nice of him to, to not get traded, just to come back. <laughs> <laughs> when it doesn't matter, when we need to see other people play. But thanks, Rocco. <laughs> thanks for showing back up. This is the edge right here. Like, if you push her just a little bit more, we'll get a rant. <laughs> no. I promised rant free. You, you did, and you've, and you've stuck to it. So far. So, um... I guess there's not really a whole lot else to get into today. 
Um, this week is just like the, the whole season comes down to every single game this week. So, um, hopefully everybody has, uh, stocked up on their blood pressure controlling medications. Um, try not to combine those with, uh, too much alcohol. It's not great. But, alcohol uh, yeah, is my is blood it. pressure medication. And that, I do have alcohol. So... This is usually where we predict how many points the team will get this week. Um, what do you have to say for yourselves? I kind of already covered my five points, so I think we're good there. Okay. I think four. I think it's going to come down to like a tiebreaker, something crazy like that. I think, I think they'll have 98 points. I think four is right. I think they beat Anaheim. I think they beat San Jose. And their 96 is not good enough. I think they will lose to Anaheim. Everyone will think it's over. Then they'll beat LA. We'll be tied with LA. And, then <laughs> and everyone like, will go okay. see her. Tell me there's a chance. Yeah, and then they'll lose to San Jose. And then everyone will be like, it's over. And then they'll beat St. Louis. And then it'll be some sort of crazy <laughs> math involved tie break, this, that, the other. It'll come down to the head-to-head points, and St. Louis will lose on head-to-head record. Yeah, yeah. Goal. It will be tied with LA, and it'll come down to goal differential. Good lord, be out. We have to score like thirty-five goals to beat their goal differential, or something. I don't know what St. Louis's goal differential is. I'll have to check. We're actually. I think we're comfortably ahead of both St. Louis and Anaheim. We're like way ahead. Yeah, we'd have to really screw that one up. Yeah, I don't think the tiebreaker would come down to goal differential with them, but it could against LA. Yeah, um, I, I, it, I don't think it can reach goal differential against St. Louis just because they have more points against Colorado. Yep, I don't, that's I don't correct. Think, I think there's no chance of that. Yeah, they're already up 3-1 in the season series. But you so. take out the first one. You take out if it's uneven, and you take out the first... Oh, you're right. Yeah, you like the first weird the game, first the game first odd game. Yeah. yeah. That's such a weird out. rule. I know. I know, it should just be head-to-head. I mean, if it comes down to two, two teams, it should just be head-to-head, but... It's going to be a hell of a week. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's going to be f- every bit of fun and every bit of hair pulling and screaming at the television that everyone points to when they say they watch hockey for stress relief. <laughs> Confirmed. And no EJ and Varley, just to, just to spice it up. <laughs> nope. Nope. We have uh, one NHL goaltender on the roster. We're going with the ghost pepper spice, huh? <laughs> Babs can't do anything easy. No. No. Gotta do it the hardest way possible. Yeah, this was destiny to, for it to go like this. Yep. So, um, ev- for everyone who's stuck with us for this whole ride of the last two seasons put together, um, thanks for thanks for going through this with us. We uh, would not make it without you, and... It's just been 
to go so far down and then to come right back into the playoff picture the next season has been really something. It's been absolutely something. So you'll see us back next week with a either a regular season retrospective um, of some significant length or a playoff season um, preview. Primer. Yeah. Playoff playoff season primer. Fingers crossed. Yeah, we'll go with we'll go with that. So one or the other, and then if the Avalanche do make the playoffs, well, they haven't done that in this show's existence, so I don't really know what we'll do. <laughs> Just a bunch of incoherent screaming, I imagine. Pretty much, yeah. Um, and and I imagine that Earl would probably agree with all of us if he weren't having technical difficulties right now. Um, so. I don't know what's going on. He's. I think he was the wind problem, and then it's all dropped out from there. <laughs> oh. So, um, this is it. This is the last week's four games left because there has to be a whole lot of games to end things out. There can't just. It can't end, you know, at a normal pace. It has to be blistering. Um, whether they get <laughs> zero points or eight points out of this week, you know, you can find out here on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com/slash Burgundy Radio or on MixCloud at MixCloud.com/slash/BurgundyRadio. Or in iTunes, or in Google Play Music, or in your favorite RSS-based podcatcher on your mobile device. You can also find the uploads on BurgundyRainbow.com. You can get at me about them in the comments there, or on our Discord, which you can find linked on BurgundyRainbow.com. And you, I don't know if it's a great time to advertise our game day threads right now. They're pretty hyperbolic, but uh, it's a great venting space, if nothing else. <laughs> It's gone so fast you can't read it, so it's fine. <laughs> That's pretty much true. It w- if, if you do something way out of line, we will call you out for it. But in general, we are just kind of venting, and it's been a mess, but it's been a fun mess. Shout out to the many nicknames of Heckhold. Um, so, we will all have our heads up, and we will all be in the dirty areas together. And whatever happens, we will see you all on the other side next week. It's it's kind of wild to me that they let y'all even go into the to the locker room because like a few years ago when I was <clears throat> in Denver for some reason we did a Pepsi Center tour and they would not let you in the home locker room. They even said that like I thought it was just part of their spiel, but yeah, no, I know it's not like a typical thing. Cause I was like, oh, we don't even let people in here. The, the big they, question they is, did, did you get to stand on the logo? Yeah, did they have Greg Zanin in there? <laughs> they had it roped off. They even were like, oh, <laughs> don't take anything from the lockers, and whatever you do, don't stand on that logo. Actually, yeah, they had it roped off. Yeah, the first ever time I got to go into the Eagles locker room, the one thing they told me was, don't step on the logo. <laughs> 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 and the reason was oh well, they're superstitious they said don't touch their gear because they're superstitious i'm like i don't really think that's the reason but... <laughs> it's a clever what are you excuse do? Put, a, put a carpet tack in their skate <laughs> it's true but you can walk right out i mean i don't know how there were a lot of people in there i don't know how they would have policed it if someone was like yeah i'm gonna be touching this no I'm touching sure <laughs> I'm sure they would have removed whoever, but yeah.
I'm sure they have cameras all over the place. <laughs> and now we know why Varley got the flu. <laughs> yup. That's true. That's true. I could get the flu. I was around all that flu. 